Jesus says greatness isn't how much you accomplish, how much influence or power you have. Greatness is humility. Greatness is recognizing what little you have, but using it for the glory of God. Hey, this is Charlie Stumbaugh, the lead pastor of Cornerstone Church, Colorado. Thank you for being with us today. Be sure to subscribe for our weekly content to encourage your faith. Let's listen in as Pastor Jason brings the message. So I had the privilege last week uh, of going up with a number of friends and hunting. And those of you who know me know that is a a great passion of mine. I thoroughly enjoy uh, my time in the woods. And there's a pattern we've kind of gotten into out at our hunting camp. Uh, kind of a routine that's a great routine, but it seems like midweek or early in the week, I typically will run into the first bull, and uh, we've had great success over the years. And typically, I'll I'll get a bull and and bring it back to camp, and I'm excited, and I've got the rack, and excited to show everybody, and that is great fun, and it usually lasts for about a day. And this pattern. It has happened year after year. Well, I'll come back in with the first bull, feeling pretty good about myself, pretty proud, have to admit, Uh, don't judge me, but uh, pretty pretty pleased. But it's usually on a quite regular basis, the next day that somebody else will come into camp with a bull that's bigger than mine. And it, it just progresses from there. And this year was no different than any other year. It uh, it cracks me up. But I, I think day three or four came in with a nice bull. And the next day, my buddy Dave came in with an even bigger one, which was awesome. And then the next day, my brother, Adam, came in with an even bigger bull than Dave's. And I love that. But, but there's got to be some year where I get the biggest bull, right? And I know I shouldn't be even talking like that because I should just be excited and, and thrilled that I'm getting an animal and, and I am. But there's a little part of me that just wishes I could get that, that biggest bull some year, uh, which, like I said, right or wrong, fair or unfair, it's how I feel. And I think if we're honest, uh, many of us have that desire for, I don't know if the word's greatness or success or to be the top, uh, to be number one in things. And I mean, we see that obviously with election time here, everyone trying to be the one that's picked, the one that's voted in. And I feel like we can kind of describe that as, as greatness is what I want to call that today, this yearning for greatness. And I don't think there's anything wrong with yearning for greatness. I think it's a good thing, but I think it can be done in good ways, but also in in ways that aren't as healthy. And I think sometimes our understanding of greatness is very different than the world's understanding of greatness. I think we 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 pursue greatness. I think most of us do, whether it's a, a position at work or influence with those around us. Maybe it's it's simple as respect, um, or maybe greatness for you comes in the possessions you have, or your wealth, or power over other things. Um, but we we pursue that. In big and small ways, we pursue greatness. I think Muhammad Ali is the greatest example of that. I am the greatest. Uh, I think a lot of us could echo that, which, which again, 
isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I think as people who live in this upside-down kingdom, in the kingdom of God, and focus on things of the kingdom of God and not of the world, I think it looks different. So we're going to look at that today. What is greatness? So the issue of greatness is not new with us, obviously. That's been going on forever. As long as humanity has existed, we've pursued greatness. We've pursued to be be over one another. And it's funny, in the world's perspective, greatness really is limited to a few. There's only a few that make it into the history books that, that have achieved the kind of greatness that really stands out in the world. But I believe in the kingdom of God, greatness is open for everyone. It just looks different. So let's look at that. So as we, we turn in the scriptures today, we're looking at Luke chapter 9, uh, beginning in verse 46. And we see the disciples struggling with this issue of greatness. And this is not a new struggle for them. This is not uh, something that was uncommon. Um, Back in Mark 10, uh, which happened previous to this experience in Luke, we've got James and John arguing about sitting at the right and the left hand of God in glory. And the disciples clearly, I think it says, were indignant because of this. Like They're arguing about who should receive these positions of power, of, of authority. Right? So we, this is an ongoing issue. And in, in Luke chapter 9, 46, it says that an argument among the disciples, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is greatest of all. So let's break that down a little bit. So they're arguing about who would be the greatest. And again, they're probably at this point picturing God's kingdom as an earthly reign and rule over the Roman Empire, over the, the, their oppressors of that day of, of Jesus establishing this kingdom and and who would be in positions of authority, who would have positions of power in this kingdom that would reign under Jesus there on earth, that literal kingdom coming, reigning, which we understand God's kingdom has come, but it didn't look exactly as as they pictured it. And it, it's come, but it's also still coming. Like it's a uh, already and not yet kind of scenario. So they're they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in this kingdom. And I love how Jesus knew their thoughts, right? They're arguing this. Jesus knows what's going on in their hearts. And I believe he did this almost with a smile on his face, right? Not with a scolding, you idiots kind of approach. But I believe he he took one of the children gathered around them, um, probably listening on the outskirts, one of the children uh, around there, and uh, just invited that child to come into the center. And in that day and age, uh, children were not seen as they are today. Today, you know, we bend over backwards to make sure our children get everything they need and are the center of our world. Back then, um, in that culture, children were almost seen in a way as a burden. Children were seen as not very valuable to society. Um, children weren't taught really Torah until they were 12 years old, and it was considered a waste of time to spend uh, your time with children at that time. So here's this child on the 
uh, just around that group. And Jesus places that child right in the center of that group. So everyone can see him, him or her. And I think he just loved on that child, smiled at that child, put his hands on that child's shoulder and said, do you see this person? To be great in my kingdom is, is to be like this child. Jesus says greatness isn't how much you accomplish, how much influence or power you have. Greatness is, is humility. Greatness is recognizing what little you have, but using it for the glory of God. He draws their attention to this child and really points to that. And we see this contrast of the disciples yearning for greatness as a form of power and Jesus saying, no, greatness is humility. Greatness is recognizing you really don't have much to offer, but through me you have everything to offer. So we see that. And I love a quote by John Stott, a great pastor, um, But he says, at every stage of our Christian development and in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is our greatest enemy and humility our greatest friend. And in pursuing greatness in the kingdom of God, it really comes through a heart that's humble, a person that recognizes um, the greatness they seek isn't of their own, but it's serving a God who truly is great. So we see that difference. The disciples yearning for that greatness, arguing over who should receive it. And then Jesus showing this child as an example of greatness. And we also see in the context of this passage, um, right before the argument arose, Jesus is speaking about his death, about his suffering. Um, he tells them he's going to be delivered into the hands of men, um, but they didn't understand that it was hidden from them. And then he talks about after this section, uh, a few verses later, about how what it means to follow Jesus, to really put everything forward in following him, not your own will, not your own desires, but actually dying to yourself and following him, laying down your life for him. And we see that example of Greatness in Jesus' life. Greatness for Jesus didn't come because he could raise the dead or cast out demonic spirits. It didn't come because he could multiply food or even walk on the water. Greatness didn't come from those accomplishments. Greatness came as he humbled himself and as he took up his cross and gave his life so that the whole world might find life in him. Greatness, I think, for us, comes as we learn what it means to serve, learn what it means to give our lives for others. And to do this, you might be thinking, yeah, Jason, that sounds great. It's much easier said uh, probably than done. How do you actually, like in our natural flesh, our, our, our spirits, our, our sinful man, I guess, yearns for this greatness, whether we realize it or not. How do we reshape that, rethink our natural kind of tendencies to really yearn for greatness of the world, which again, isn't always bad, but I think greatness in the kingdom of God is so much better. How do we do that? And I think an example we might see would come earlier, uh, just a few passages earlier in Luke chapter nine. So we find a a section here uh, right after Jesus has already once earlier 
predicted his death and then has told them how they, they're going to lose their life to find it and all these amazing truths. We see Jesus going up on a mountain and he takes with him uh, Peter, James, and John. And, and we, we see this incredible picture that we understand as the transfiguration where Jesus is on this mountain and his, his face, it says in verse 29 of, of chapter 9, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. It says two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure so that this theme of his death and resurrection keeps coming up here. It's even, even being spoken of by Moses and Elijah. And it, the rest of the story, we have, you know, Peter wanting to build them a, a tabernacle or a shelter and not really knowing what to do. And then God, again, once again, coming in a cloud and overshadowing them and, and saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. But we have this exalted Jesus. And I think when it comes to overcoming this desire for worldly greatness and focusing on godly greatness, the greatest way we can pursue that is, is having our life centered on the glory of God, on the one who is um, just radiant, whose you know, clothing like this flashes of lightning and face is just beautiful beyond understanding, comprehension. The more we keep our focus, the more we keep our gaze on Christ, the more we uh, exalt him and, and really see ourselves in comparison to him the more we'll understand what greatness is. Greatness is him. Greatness is Jesus. Greatness is his death and resurrection and the life we have in him, the the benefits of our salvation, the forgiveness that we receive, the, the grace we can extend, the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. This is what greatness comes from. It comes from him. But as we see with the disciples, we're so quick in our, our human nature to forget the glory of God. Here, just a few verses later, they've already forgotten. And whether they're arguing about you know position because some got to go up the mountain and some didn't, and some were trying to cast out a, a boy who had a demonic spirit and they weren't able to. Maybe that was kind of the, the, the origin of that argument at the time. Whatever it might have been, it didn't take them long to forget the glory of God, the greatness of Jesus, and start to focus on themselves again. So I want to encourage each one of you listening, all of us, greatness is a beautiful thing and it should be attained, but greatness by God's standards, greatness in the kingdom. And I think uh, when we think of greatness in the kingdom, that really takes the form of, of love, Loving well is a way we express greatness. Faithfulness is a way of expressing greatness. Serving others as Christ served is a form of greatness. Compassion, living out the gifts of the Spirit. These are things that that bring greatness in the kingdom of God, is laying down our lives and living for Him. That's true greatness. So I believe we have the privilege of redefining greatness in a way that each and every one of us can receive that greatness, waking up each day and saying, not what can I do, but God, what can you do through me? God, I want my life to be an overflow of your spirit living in and through me. That's what I want greatness to look like. I want to just uh, hide behind you, Jesus. Um, 
And it's fun to see, I'll close with this, it's fun to see that it appears the disciples eventually did get this, right? It takes time, just like all of us. Um, we're learning, we're growing, we're going to mess up, we're going to stumble in, in this. And our, our prideful self will show its, its uh, ugly face from time to time, especially in elk camp. Um, but we do see the disciples grabbing hold of this. And I'll just finish with this verse from 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, 1 through 7. Peter writes, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's sufferings, who also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. That's our greatness. In the same way, you who are young, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And then I love the end here. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So we, we humble ourselves under God that he might lift us up, not those around us. We cast our anxieties on him knowing that our shepherd cares for us. Friends, let's redefine greatness. Not as the world sees it, but as God sees it. Greatness in love, greatness in compassion, greatness in our, our faithfulness to the Lord. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this. I pray you have a beautiful day. May God bless you. Hey, we are so honored that you are with us today. Remember, subscribe to the show and check out our website at cornerstonechurch.co.com for more resources.